Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. First come back. Give me a hell yeah. Welcome everybody back to the Hitting the Turnbuckle. This is the AEW Full Gear Review Show, and I am joined, as always, by our AEW guru, and soon to be joined by our other good friend, who's just joining the podcast right now. Just give Parker a second to join the uh, forte, so to speak. He is in his car with no audio currently. But before that, whilst we wait for Parker, Dave, hello. <laughs> hey, mate. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right, buddy. How are you? How's your weekend? It's been good. Uh, a lot of good wrestling going on. Uh, lots of good stuff. Uh, full gear was great. Uh, boy, I had a football match today. But other than that, it was all good. And I believe that we are joined by Mr. Parker Hamlet, all the way from the States. Hello, Parker. Or not at this point. He did have audio. It was working. Anyway, whilst we wait for Parker, Dave, let's, uh, let's first off... Um, as we get to this, this was, I mean, this probably was, you know, the overview, let's do a quick overview before we get into the matches. Overall, I thought this show was one of the best AEW pay-per-views they've put on. I've said to you when we was watching, when we done the Dynamite review, that I thought that it every match made a lot of sense. It wasn't no throwaway matches in there where they just put two guys together at the last minute kind of thing. It all made a lot of sense. And I think when you add that to what we saw, it just goes to show what a fantastic job that AEW did do over his last six weeks of build, even to this pay-per-view. <clears throat> yeah, everything thought was well thought out and planned. Everything just came together nicely. I think there was only the one late addition on Collision, which was Claudio and Buddy, which we, we're not going to complain about. <laughs> yeah, and that's quite a strategic thing to do as well, quite clever, mm-hmm. because if anybody knew he's checking out AEW or going to buy full gear, that perhaps aren't as familiar and they're used to watching WWE. There's two guys there straight away that they may well know and recognize, particularly Claudio um, from his run as Cesaro. So I thought that was quite a, a clever thing to do as well. And whether that was um, strategic or not, I thought putting them on the pre-show, it was an excellent match, um, but two kind of names that are well known in the wrestling industry. Um, but like you say, it, it was just a perfect coming together of a lot of feuds and stories that they've been working on so hard over the last few months. And some of them, they'll, they'll continue. You know, they're not all done and dusted. There are seemingly some some ends to, to some of them, and we'll go off in different directions. Um, but we've watched AEW shows in the past, and they've as good as they've been and as great as the content and the matches have been, they have been a bit of a slog because there's just been so many matches. And if you're not too invested and there's only so much great wrestling that can keep it ticking over, you need some you need some story and, and, and some hooks as to, you know, what is keeping you entertained and what's keeping you invested. And I think this show did a great job of that. And, and a pre-show and a four-hour show, so it's five hours, but it didn't feel like five hours. And that's that's a compliment from me because I, I have I have watched some shows with AW, WWE, and they felt really long. And it's been a bit of a struggle as much as I love wrestling to to stay engaged for that period of time. But I didn't have a problem with Full Gear. So I think that that is testament to what a good show they put on. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was in May. I, I was blown away by it, to be quite honest with you. Uh, a couple, I'm saying even a couple of matches. There was a couple of matches that were slower paced. We'll get into that anyway. Uh, we'll, we'll keep, we'll start while we wait, but maybe Parker will rejoin. Um, we'll start pre-show. Um, the pre-show match it, it kicked off nice. Eddie Kingston uh, beat Jay Lethal um, by pinfall to retain his Ring of Honor World Championships. Now there's more to that story, which is why sometimes on these type of shows we don't do the pre-show. We just skirt over it and go through results. But a lot of the pre-show tied into stuff that was going on on full gear. So I think this is really worth us talking about. But Eddie Kingston wins that title. Uh, oh, sorry, retains the title. Thank Christ. More to come from that later, but a nice little opening to to the uh, pre-show. Yeah, again, it's something that's been then been building up, perhaps more on Ring of Honor weekly television. But there's been there's been you know signs of that on Dynamite and, and Collision as well. We've seen that story develop, 
Um, so for it to be a featured match and to open up the, the night of wrestling, I, I thought that was a great thing to do. I don't think um, we we're any in any serious danger of or, or Jay Lee for winning. I thought it was pretty much a formality in terms of the result, but the match was great and um, a, a good showing. A, a, Eddie Kingston's been announced that he's going to be in the Continental Classic and he's going to be putting his titles on the line, his life's work, as he put it. Uh, and this was a great demonstration and example of what Eddie's capable of and some of the great matches that he'll be having in that tournament that is highly uh, hotly anticipated by me. I can't wait for that tournament. To, I, I tried to follow the G1 a bit more this year, which is something that I've never never really done. Uh, and it's been more exposure to New Japan because of watching AEW. Uh, but I've always liked the idea of that round-robin tournament. Um, and I was hopeful that AEW would put on their own version of it. And it seems like that's what it's going to be. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy that, Jay, uh, that Eddie Kingston's going to be involved with doing that. Yeah, as you said, putting his last work. So what he announced on the pay per view was he's got. They're going to basically be unifying all three titles because the Continental Classic was going to be a title. New Japan Strong, he's got as well as the Ring of Honor uh, Championship. That's all going to be one uh, going forward. And the the, the actual um, Continental Classic is right. Three points for a win. If there's a draw, it's a point, and obviously zero points for a loss. That's how they're going to do it. So soccer style. If you're in, the yeah. Yeah. And that, that suggests to me as well that that title is going to change hand or those Eddie's titles are going to change hands. Or I can't imagine that he's going to go undefeated in the tournament. So maybe those titles change a few times and maybe they end up back around Eddie's waist at some point. Uh, but it definitely adds more intrigue to the individual matches. The stakes on the line in each match that Eddie's involved in or those titles are involved in, as well as the overall tournament winner. Um, so I, I quite like that. I think it was a good announcement and uh, it, it it sets up a tournament that was already looking pretty good based on the competitors that we know about. Um, it adds another element to it. So, yeah, can't wait for that to get underway. Yeah, me too. That starts this Wednesday on Dynamite. So we will be reviewing the start of the Continental Classic uh, later on uh, this week. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli next uh, against Buddy Matthews. It was only 10 minutes. Claudio gets the win via submission. Um Can I just have more of that, please? Yeah. I, again, you know, you were talking about um everything kind of making sense and the bcc yeah uh and the house of black have been locking horns and they've been that you know at each other for the last few weeks so it was great to get those other members of the the factions involved um and as i said earlier uh, having two recognizable stars on the pre-show um really set the tone for the night um, I thought it was an excellent match. I, I want to see more and more singles matches with Buddy. I was a little bit disappointed that he wasn't going to be in the ladder match mm. um, because I, I thought, you know, he'd be a great addition to it. But then what we actually got with, with Brody was fantastic as yeah. well. So I was just glad to see all four members of the House of Black and, um, you know, the the two of the active participants in the BCC. Obviously, Daniels, Danielson's out at the minute. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to get to a Utah Hook match. Um, but I, I thought Claudio Buddy really, really set the tone and it was a great match. And and as you say, more please. Yeah, more just longer would be nice. Yeah, um, so yeah. if you didn't see little teaser. Uh, yeah, a little teaser for things to come, hopefully a lot longer matches, even between those two or just between those two groups. But as you say, it and it was a made sense addition as well. I think like I said before the show started or when it was on the opening of the show, that sometimes they just add matches for the sake of added matches, but it was a strategic match to add, which made a lot of sense, which does help. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Just, as you say, it, made, it wasn't just thrown on there just to get two new, two more names on the card. There, there was a story behind it and they set it up on collision. But as, as we say, it was the only late addition to the card, but one that made total sense. Yeah, absolute sense. And as you say, and we both said more of the same. Um, so those of you that haven't seen Collision and Rampage yet, you wouldn't have known that uh, MJF finally found a partner. Uh, for his match with the guns, which blew my prediction out of the water the moment I uh, watched that and saw it. Um, partner in question was Samoa Joe. Um, they beat the guns. Um, but here's what I really like. And we're going to get into this in a bit more detail. Later. So they beat the they beat the gun club and they retain the ring of honor title. Samoa Joe will get a title shot. I believe that was the agreement that was made. Yeah. As long as MJF is champion, I believe. Then there comes a big attack on MJF at this point. So, again, this is the importance of us going through the pre-show. And this is, again, what I like because 
you don't see this in the WWE as much. You'll get something happen on a pre-show. They used to do it on Sunday Night Heat, if you remember. They used yeah, to yeah, I remember that well. Go in. and But recently, a pre-show just been a kickoff match, have New David Trombone and all that sort of stuff. This pre-show uh, from AEW made so, because it added on so many aspects of things to come later. In this match in particular, the guns beat down MJF. I mean, they absolutely annihilated him, injured his leg. And there was question marks over whether MJF was going to compete in the main event of the show. And we'll get on to that, how that leads up and what was going to happen as we go on. But Dave, this is a reason why, this is another good thing, sorry. A great pre-show with things going on. Because the pre-show was free on YouTube, I think. I think that was, that was something along those lines. So to yeah, hook YouTube people in. Yeah, so what a great way of hooking people in. Have something like major angle go down there, which affects your main event, which surely is going to, well, you'd hope to think, would increase buy rates. <clears throat> well, if, if I'm watching that and I had any doubt about whether I was going to spend the money and order the card, as soon as I see that, I've got to. I'm invested. I want to know what's going to happen. MJF sent off to the hospital at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as you say, it totally, totally added to the main show. Um and and I think moving forward, I think if these type of angles are going to be happening on the pre-shows, they'll get a lot more people checking them out. You know, and as you say, we've been free as well. You got such a, a you got a title match on it. You got a great singles match between Buddy and Claudio, yeah. and then you got the culmination, the main event, which had an impact on the main event of the main card as well. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely ticked all the boxes. And and what I really liked is the fact that Samoa Joe did his job. Mm-hmm. retained the titles, got what he wanted as to the arrangement. And then when the guns attacked MJF, he was nowhere to be found. And no. why would he? Yeah, why would he exactly. help MJF? He's got what he wanted. The titles have been defended. Uh, he would want MJF to be weakened as much as possible uh, if it means that he gets his title shot down the line. We'll talk about the main event in a bit. Yeah. I've got some thoughts on that. But yeah, I thought this closing segment for the pre-show did everything it was designed to do. And I'm sure there'll be a little bump in, in boys following it as well. Yeah. Um, based on people watching it, that were maybe in two minds or thinking whether they, they were going to spend the money or not, or just wait for the results or wait for dynamite to see what happened. I'm sure, I'm sure, sure uh, many of those would have gone on to buy the, buy the pay-per-view. Yeah, me too. Uh, and, and a funny walk away from the drop kick this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just when you think uh, Joe can't find any any more ways of avoiding uh, his opponent's arsenal, uh, he did the walk away from the drop kick, which was, was perfect, which it always is from Samoa Joe. And Samoa Joe is my prediction for there to be the next AEW world champion. But as I say, we'll get onto that and, and the fallout from the main event later on in the in the review. We certainly will. So uh, the, the full gear uh, kicks off with uh, Sting, Darby Allen, and Copeland, and they were with Ric Flair uh, against uh, uh, Christian Cage, Luke Soros, and Nick Wayne. And slow start to this one. Um, was, the match was quite slow paced anyway, but we've apart from Darby, which you know we've, we've got the people, those kind of people in the ring was always going to be that way. He did take a really sick bump to the ring apron, and when he got, I think he got choke slam, choke slam, yeah. He... It's the second time he's taken that recently. He took it from Lance Archer. Um, it looked equally as horrific. Uh, and he's got Mount Everest to, to take on. going to mention uh, that in a minute. Coming up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether that was the type of... Th- that would be my preparation for Mount Everest. <laughs> but uh, great, Mount. As you say, some smoke and mirrors, and uh, they have to slow things down. And we've got Sting's involvement. Obviously, Sting's yeah. winding down now, coming to the end of his career. Mm. Um, but... I think to have him in the six man match, to have all three guys in the the match, well, face paint matching yes, uh, outfits, the long the long trench coats. I thought that was really cool. I was going to mention that as well. Christian Cage, really good entrance as well. We had the choir singing his lyrics. Yeah. He's now got words now from the ten count down to one. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what they all are. I re- did have them written down, but. My notes have literally disappeared. So, guys, we're not winging this as such, but I did have pages and pages of notes, and I don't know where they are. <laughs> I think there were, some of them were inspirational wise. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, as you say, with the 10 came, came 10, 10 words. Yeah. I, I, they may well change those up as well with each appearance. Yeah, maybe. Uh, um, but yeah, a, a nice, a nice entrance as well for both teams. Mm. I, th- I thought it, uh, you, you had pay per view feel both of those yeah. entrances. They did. Um, and Ric Flair gets involved as well. So 
sort of punching and chopping Christian. Uh, the, the end was pretty much what we've seen of quite a lot of these six mans with Copeland in. It's all three hit their finishers. Yeah. Uh, the faces hit the finishers. They won the match. They got, Darby gets on the mic, swears a little bit. So obviously sort of stings last time in LA, I suppose, as, a, as an actor. His son was there. He went and hugged. His son, who was sitting yeah. in the front row, you would have thought his son would be a wrestler. Have you seen the size of his kid? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there might might have been a, a conversation happening following the show. I, I thought exactly that. Yeah, I think exactly. he was. Um, I think he was a American footballer or, or something like that. He, yeah. he's definitely been involved with sports, or baseball or football. Yeah, he um, definitely has. There's yeah, about it. Um, but again, well, a good opener. It was a it was a yeah. strong opener uh, for sure. Um, where do they go from here? I mean, Derby, we know, as you said, Derby's going to be clowning Mount Everest soon. Sting, obviously, we know wrestles here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Copeland will probably need to kind of go, not his separate ways with them, but kind of need to be on his own for the time being. Where do you see this happening next? What do you see happening next, sorry, between these guys? As you say, I think um, the trio is kind of, I think that that's the trio's run. Maybe maybe Copeland will have Sting's back to a degree or vice versa. Darby, I don't think we're going to be seeing him for, for yeah. a good many weeks. So obviously he'll be back. He'd like to be back for Revolution and Sting's final pay-per-view. Definitely. A lot of people predicting that Sting and Darby will be one-on-one in that and Sting will perhaps pass the torch. That's what, certainly what I'd like to see. Yeah. Uh, remains to be seen. Uh, I, I think uh, Copeland and Christian kept away from each other. They understand yes. the importance of yep. that, and they're still telling a bigger story there. Um, and that's obviously going to lead to one-on-one match mm. down the line. Whether that's going to be Revolution, whether that's going to be at Wembley, you know, it Ooh. depends how long they want this story to to go on. But um, I was a little bit critical that they had come to blows the other week on, on Collision. I think it was. Mm-hmm. I'd rather yes. them not, and I'd rather, as I said on our Dynamite review, yeah. Copeland just avoid, just tag out when Christian's in there. They haven't gone that far, but there's enough. They they stayed apart enough that there's still yeah. plenty there for when they do do the singles match and mm-hmm. or maybe a series of matches. Um, so I think this was pretty good. It was Luchasaurus that took the pin, wasn't it? In the end, yes. not Nick Wayne. Yeah, which you know you don't want Nick Wayne going out there and losing every week. And I thought. No. Nick Wayne mocking Ric Flair was quite good as well. I enjoyed that. Um, So he's obviously growing in confidence as well. And he didn't look out of place with, you know, you've got Copeland, Christian, Derby, Sting, Flair, you know, and even Luchasaurus is a a former tag team and TNT champion. And and Nick Wayne definitely didn't look out of place. And at 18 years old, there's something something to be said for that. And I'm sure he's going to be a big star for AEW down the line. Definitely so. I was laughing in between what you were saying, not because I found what you said was funny. Um, I found my notes and I've said them to Rachel before now. I definitely wrote them down in a book. No, I wrote them on my phone. Ah, uh, okay. And they've been could. here all the time. I have notes now. I, I'm certainly not, you know, people <laughs> say I'm winging it. Definitely not now. They're on my phone all this time. So I I don't know why I thought I was writing them down. I, I, I know you're a professional, mate. Professional. Um, after this, they announced at this point. Now, this is going back to the pre-show. So if you watch the pre-show, we mentioned that the guns had taken out MJF. And now they announced after this that the match with MJF and Jay White was off. Jay White was asking for the championship to be given to him because MJF wasn't there. They were going to do that. Then Adam Cole's music hits. He limps out to the ring on crutches and says he will be the man to defend the title at this point uh, uh dave i'm thinking he is the devil because i know you've said that a lot of times that you think he's the devil um yes we know before obviously we get to the main event at that point what are you thinking <clears throat> exactly the same i, I think adam cole is going to be ultimately reveals the devil he's going to be the reason that mjf loses his title and, and jay white gets it and maybe even the other masked men were bullet club gold I know initially there was a, an attack on Jay White, but obviously that mm-hmm. could be easily explained um, if yeah. it was if they were in on it, if you like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my mind went into overdrive, and as they've been doing to me for the last three or four months, they've been they've been you know zigging when I've expected them to zag because that obviously isn't what happened. No. Um, but I absolutely the same as you. I, I thought, yep, there it is. I thought I was I thought I was really clever. And I thought uh, it was a real smart mark, but no, I'm just, uh, 
Yeah, just a dumb wrestling fan. It's a dumb wrestling fan. But it was it, again. We'll get into the main event and what happened shortly. But it was it threw me off a little bit. I, although I thought Adam Cole was the devil, I was thrown off as to how on earth they're going to get Adam Cole unless the injury was a fake and he's not yeah. Well, that's that's, that's part of it as well. Yeah. I just thought he was going to kick the boot off and lie down and Jay White would pin him or something like that, mm. which I was worried about in how that would go down, yeah. like the finger poker doom. Mm-hmm. And that type of finish to a, a main event of a pay per view and such a good story, um, but I was convinced that that was that was it. And maybe Adam Cole says about the biggest night in his career at Wembley, and he come up short, mm-hmm. and this was his vengeance, you know, to get Max back and you know to take not only his title, the friendship, and all of that. And I was playing all this out in my mind. And obviously, that wasn't the case. It wasn't the case, and when we'll get into what was the case shortly. Um, next match for me was a, a, another surprising finish, or at least it was, was uh, Orange Cassidy versus Moxley. It was a very physical match. Now, what I did like about this, and I think it's kind of if you've watched the match where they had the tag with uh, I think the dynamite for the hook, and uh, the Orange noticed that John Moxley was very, very uh, not necessarily scared, but worried every time Hook locked on Red Rum. Mm-hmm. Moxley on dynamite. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the match goes on. I mean, no, no, Moxley bleeds. You know, fucking water was wet. Yeah, yeah, water was wet. You know, <laughs> very physical match. He does lock in Red Rum on a couple of occasions on this match, uh, Orange, because he's. I think what they were playing into when it was very, very smartly done was how worried what Moxley was about that move when Hook popped on him. Hook was at ringside, so was Utah. Just for people that haven't seen it, um, the only thing I suppose. I was saying was was the ending was bad. I mean, six orange punches and then beach break. I mean, before that, you had a hell of a lot of other stuff going. It was it was very physical. Moxley was his aggressive self. Orange was just trying to always, you know, survive it, so to so to speak. And then six orange punches in a row, then beach break. Orange retains. It was a, it was a great match, Dave. Um, but I, I assume Moxley was going over on this. Did you? Yeah, I I thought that Orange would retain and level it up, mm. so we will we'll ultimately get the rubber match down the line. I thought for Orange to lose the title twice in quick succession to Moxley would have been quite damaging. Although John Moxley, obviously the the caliber of talent that he is, yeah, um, he, he could have he could have survived it. But if if Orange is going to get to that top level tip, which we've seen in main event pay-per-views, we've seen him in some big matches um, but I'd, I'd still argue that he's on the periphery, he's, he's not quite at the level of a Moxley and Omega and um, you know, people like that so I thought it's quite important that Orange did ultimately pick up that victory um, and the start, the, the, the nature of it does protect Moxley um, mm. but it definitely leaves some more on the table for, for that rubber match down the line, whether that's in the near future or whether that's kind of some sometime later on in 2024, I'm sure we're going to see them lock up again, maybe in a stipulation match. Yeah, maybe so. It's still a very good match in the Orange. Orange retains, finds another way to retain a title again. Um, I'm glad because now, now he's got that uh, out the way, if you like, and he's, he's put that to bed. He can go on a similar run to what we saw him go on earlier on this year. Um, when he really has elevated that international title. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw week after week him opening Dynamite and it became a running joke, really. You know, Dynamite <laughs> started, Orange's music Orange. hit. But then, <laughs> then by the end of every match, everybody was like really kind of complimentary <laughs> and, and, and and blown away by the performances and those singles matches. So I think another run like that, I, I can't see that. that. That cannot fail you know that that formula was tried and tested it worked um it, it was a ratings draw for aw as well you know when yeah. they st- when they start to the shows that they obviously analyzed the the ratings and the quarters and obviously orange was doing good numbers in that opening segment because it wouldn't have they wouldn't have carried on booking him there if not so I, i'd like to see more of that now for the next few months from orange yeah, me too. Me too. And see how long this title reign lasts from Orange. Um, speaking of title reigns, uh, the next match was uh, Hikaru Shida versus t- probably the best women's character of wrestling at the moment. Timeless Tony Storm, Alan Marilyn Monroe. Um, this was for the, uh, the AW Women's Championship. And we had our first title. Well, we, we were both hoping they were going to pull the trigger on, on this with Tony Storm, with the character 
the way that she's portraying this Marilyn Monroe-esque, you know, fantastic. Match was, quite, again, it was quite a slow one on this one. Uh, she does win by doing, was it the wardrobe change? And she had the metal on her, I, I don't know if it was her backside or, or a top of her thigh. Uh, and runs into the, the corner, smashes Sheeda with that. I mean, she hit her with the shoe a couple of times. She missed her with the shoe a couple of times. There was yeah. elements of comedy in it, slow pace, but overall, and at the end, Tony Storm becomes the three-time uh, AEW uh, women's champion. But it, we kind of expected this, and it kind of they kind of needed to because of the momentum that she's put herself on by taking this character and making it into something amazingly funny and believable. <clears throat> Yeah, and I think it was the tray that uh, perhaps the yeah, shoes tray. were on. I'm not. I'm not. I didn't see. Who, uh, maybe Luther was holding that tray, and the, the shoes were on it. And she tried to hit it with one. She dug mm -hmm. the other one in the back of her tights, hit it with the other one. That was a near fall. Yeah, and then she ended up hitting the um, like the hip attack in the corner. Yeah. Um, I, I quite like the finish. To be honest, I thought mm -hmm. it was it was creative and um, yeah, something a little bit different. I think, as you say. They, it was a situation that they simply had to put the title on her. It, it, she's just so over the character, is caught on so well, um, so been so well received. And I don't think Sheeda really it hurt Sheeda too much because no. she, it, being embroiled in this story with Tony, um, she's now a three time AW Women's Champion in her own right, and which you know that that's an impressive feat in itself. So I I think we'll see more of Sheeda. I think she'll still be around the title picture. She's shown that she can have these great matches and, and can headline shows as well. Um, but it's it kind of unfortunate for, for Sheeda that she's come up against a, a more of a character in Tony Storm that if you're Tony Khan or that booking team, you're yeah. like, yeah, we, we've just got to push, push her to the moon, really. We've just got to keep going with this. Uh, as long as it remains as popular and well received, and and she always backs it up in the ring as well, which has never been Tony Storm's issue, has it? And no. and I've been a Tony Storm fan for a long time, really. But I think what she's what she's created now as timeless Tony Storm is, is really really entertaining. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad she's wearing the title. And we'll see if the dynamic changes now because the character was born out of um, her losses. Mm -hmm. and, and failure or coming up short at Wembley. So now she's on top again and she's the women's champion. We'll see how that how her character changes. Yeah, character changes and evolves. Hopefully it will yeah. uh, into, into something different. But again, it can always revert back to that uh, afterwards. So very kudos for that. And congratulations to Tony Storm. Um, the funny thing was with the, with the next match, Kingston had come on and we had already spoken about it. Kingston had come on after that and said he was going to defend all of his titles, which we know. Um, the next match itself, that this was the match that now they added stipulations. It was meant to be a fatal four-way tag for the titles. They added the stipulation for the ladder. I mean, that was genius anyway. Um, <laughs> I've got written down here, Starks and Bill need an abbreviated name because we had HOB versus LFI versus FTR versus Starks and Bill. <laughs> so they kind of need, <laughs> uh, they needed an abbreviated name. But anyway, that was just my bit. Um, this match was absolute. Well, it, it wasn't. It, it, what would you would have expected from this type of match with these guys? It, it was fucking crazy. There's literally only one match that was crazy, and we'll get to that in a bit. And you know where I'm going with that. I mean, Bill and Brody were going out. There was a power driver on a ladder by Cash to Malachi. There was a bomb on the ladder. I dressed. I mean, drastic, drastically. Oh, Dualistico. Thank you. Uh, by Brody Lee. There was a big splash by Brody. Uh, by Cash, sorry, onto Brody when he nearly fell off the ropes. Uh, and, and eventually Ricky Starks grabs the title to retain. But this, I, I, and I mean this with the best of that, this was a car crash, but a car crash that you wanted to witness because there was so much stuff going on. I do feel like what they did do well was they didn't have so much going on in so many different locations at once that they, they couldn't catch up to everything. It felt yeah. like it was all strategically well-placed out and well-timed. It was a brutal ladder match, but a fantastic one at that. <clears throat> yeah, I think the production of the match was, was really good in terms of the camera work as well. And it just seemed a lot more cohesive than some of these matches we've seen in the past where things sometimes get missed or we have yeah. to catch it up on a replay. Um, I thought I thought it was really well structured. I thought all of the teams had their, their moment in the spotlight and could have... Any one of the four teams could have walked out with the titles and it wouldn't have been... Wouldn't have been a bad thing, I don't think. No. Um, obviously, because Bill and Ricky are quite early into their run, um, that's why I, I, I predicted them. I think you went House of Black, didn't you? 
Yes. Dave. But yeah, but I'd, I'd, again, if House of Black would have won the titles, I'd have been quite happy with that. Um, but I, I thought Roosh was great. I'll always yeah. give a shout out to Roosh. You will. Uh, I think uh, the horns into the ladder that was that was particularly good as well, and the physicality that he brings, and some of the outside interference as well. Some of the guys at ringside added to the match as well, and added a different uh, different element. So, yeah, really, really great multi man match. Reminded me of the early days of the Money in the Bank matches in WWE when those kind of those matches first became more prominent when they were on WrestleManias every year, because um, you obviously had eight guys involved in this. Um, but slightly different because of them being tag teams. So that that creates multi-man moves and and different things like that, different dives, uh, different combinations. Um, no complaints at all for this. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, me too. It, it was brilliant. Loved the match. Um, following on from that, we had then had the TBS title. So Statlander versus Julia Hart versus Sky Blue. Sky Blue was still coming out very dark. You know, it looked like they could have been a, you know, there was a teased allegiances quite a few times. Yeah. They changed the theme as well in a gear, you know. Yeah. So she's obviously evolving her character based on spraying, getting sprayed with the mist. Yeah, he is. Again, match was a fairly slow pace, but understandable con- compared to, you know, what followed, what was before it. You kind of have to... I do think it's good that you do have these slower pace matches in between, and we're going to get to the next... Well, there's a segment after this, and then the next match after this, which was fucking nuts. But... It's nice to have these slower pace matches sometimes. It didn't feel out of place. They didn't have any sort of, sometimes with the women's matches, you get the odd occasional mess up. You didn't have any of that. Both of them were really smooth matches. Both of these yeah. women's matches were really smooth. It was nice to see them get a decent bit of time. I'm just checking the time thing on my notes. Yeah. This one's about 11 minutes so from, you know, bell to bell. So anyway, um, Julia Hart wins the TBS, which is what we've said all along. We, we was hoping this moment would come for Julia Hart to be uh, prevalent in the division, which is nice. Uh, I do love the theme and the, she sings it when she comes down and the whole mystique of her entrance is really good as well. Yeah, the presentation, yeah. Yeah, the presentation was great. And I liked how she was clutching it and singing the song still, especially the bit where the house always wins. Uh, the reason why House of Black, I thought House of Black was going to win, is I thought they was all going to have to be in with the belts, you know, that they do generally. Um, yeah. It's Julia Hart's time to shine. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, uh, as you say, going to the the running order of the pay per view, mm. I thought it was really well put together. Yes. As you say, you had the highs and lows, and you had the the, the changing pace and the changing gear. And this was a this was a different type of match as well, slightly slower mm. paced at times. Um, you had the the three in it, which obviously the championship is always in peril mm-hmm. for Chris Statlander because she hasn't got to be involved in the pin, and and she wasn't the one that actually yeah. lost. So she's got a she's got a stake a claim for a rematch. Um, she hit um, Saturday Night Fever on Sky, and then Julia was opportunistic. She kicked, she kicked that off and and, and covered Sky herself. Um, yeah. I, I think it it really uh, in in some respects, I'd like to see the House of Black and Buddy all pick up wins because I'm yeah. a massive fan of all four of them. Mm. Um, but I think this somehow uh, elevates Julia even more. The fact that she's the member of the team that got the big victory, you mm. know, and she's like. Follow my lead. You know, you, you, you traditionally think the guys are the, you know, she's she's not just a valet. She's not just there to kind of accompany the other guys to the ring. She's a phenomenal performer and, and wrestler in her own right. And I think the, the fact that the guys come up short and she won, that that does something special. She was out there on her own as well. No yes. Brody at ringside. Mm-hmm. Um, opportunistic. It was like a, a veterans type of manoeuvre. Uh, to to steal the title in the end and and just pounce at the right time, um, so I thought it was great. And maybe we were going to get to this point a few weeks back when she had the first match against Statlander. Yeah. She's obviously had a time off. She had a honeymoon, uh, but now she's back, and I, I really think she's going to kick on and she's going to have a decent title reign. He is uh, only 21 years old as well. Just to remind yeah. everybody, and you know, a bit like Judgment Day, like Mammy's always on top. You know, she's she's becoming that, you know, I don't like to do comparisons, in, you know, but it yeah, it's moving along that way at the moment anyway, but she's, you know. Well, you look at some of the most successful women in groups and China springs to mind as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, in terms of stature, she's very different to China. Yeah. China was very much an equal in DX. Yes. Uh, and, and Rhea Ripley, as you say, in regards to the Judgment Day, he's arguably the leader. Now, I don't think they necessarily say that, but she's positioned as just as important if not more important than the guys and 
and for Julia to kind of come away from the pay-per-view with the title after the, the lads have come up short, I think that really does, you know, send a message uh, of um, what AEW think about Julia and the fact that she's going to be, you know, featured prominently over the next few years. And uh, Again, future's bright for AEW with 21 years old, Nick Wayne, 18 years old. They've got veterans there. You know, we saw Ric Flair and Sting earlier in the night. Yeah. But then you've got Julia Hart picking up victories and other, you know, countless names that we could mention. You know, we could mention the the big sign, in which I'm sure we will in a moment. Get to next. Um, but but yeah, the future is really bright when you look across the roster, the men's, the women's, the veterans, the young stars coming through. Um, I, I think there's a real real good balance. Yeah, there certainly is, and so you say the future is definitely bright, which brings very nicely, Dave, as you mentioned. So sometimes when AEW give you the, or even even back at uh, major announcements, big acquisitions, it was a let, you know, Gemma was a letdown. We had our now we had our things about who it could be. Now what there was a debut prior to this on uh, Ring of Honor, which was Ronda Rousey. Uh, that's only a handshake deal; she's not signed fully. But bloody, I mean, get Ronda Rousey in, it would be even, you know, could be massive. Surprise me, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that coming. I only had a feeling because of the, the house show interaction between Athena and her at GCW or Revolver. No, Revolver wrestling uh, earlier on in the week. There was a, an interaction. I yeah. thought maybe she's going to, maybe she's the one that's going to be this name. It wasn't. She had debuted before on Ring of Honor, like I said. But finally, that we can put bury everything out. We can finally, well, we will soon be welcoming, as I like to call him, Big Bill. But uh, Big Will Ospreay will be coming to All Elite Wrestling in February. Uh, he mentioned that very well in his interview that, you know, he's still finishing up with New Japan. There is a good partnership with New Japan and AEW as well. So it kind of freed him up to allow him to do this kind of thing, to sign the paperwork. But we're talking about futures and we're talking about, you know, February and we can now put a list as long as an A4 sheet of paper of the matches that we want to see Will Ospreay have in AEW. It's a three-year contract initially, finally, Dave, and and what a sign-in for AEW. And he still gets to live in the UK while he's doing it as well. But what welcome to All Elite Wrestling, Mr. Ospreay, officially. <clears throat> yeah, the Billy Goat is All Elite. And <laughs> I, th I think we knew this was coming at some point. Yeah. I didn't necessarily think that he was going to be the announcement. I was, you know, trying to think outside the box a little. But as you say, you addressed the situation with Japan, which, I mean, Japan got really, New Japan are really going to be happy with that as well. Because the amount yeah. of AEW guys, uh, fans now that will be tuning in to the next couple of months to New Japan. And because he said he's, he's going to be finishing up there. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it, it works for everyone. And obviously with the working relationship between AEW and New Japan, he, he'll be welcome to go back there. He'll be working Forbidden Door against, you know, depending on what happens with Okada, but the rest of the, the you know, the, the New Japan roster as well. So I don't think this will be the last time that the New Japan audience get to see Will Ospreay in the next three years, um, such as the relationship between the two companies. Um, but as you say, we can start fantasy booking. We've already had some incredible matches, the Omega matches, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, straight away, you know, they they jump out. But the, the potential for the other matches that we're going to see now in the next few years, the trajectory is Will Ospreay going to get that um, big world title? Um, you know, how, how is, is he finished with Kenny Omega? Is he going to be more aligned with the Don Callis family? We expect him to be, I suppose, in some respects, but there was no Don Callis family mentioned or involved in this segment. Yeah. So there's a lot of question marks there, but I'm really, really glad to see him. Glad he mentioned Wembley. He's going to be there again. He all but confirmed that he'll be uh, in a featured match at, at All In later on uh, in August next year. So uh, absolutely makes total sense. As we said, as we suspected, he wants to stay in the UK. He wants to live there. I don't think he would have had that uh, flexibility if he would have signed with the WWE. Um, so I think at this point in his career, this point in his life, perfect fit for him to go and uh, become All Elite. And a perfect wrestler for All Elite Wrestling as well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, not that he wouldn't have been in WWE, but you know, you can have those questionable ones where he could be fucking Chester McCheese and two, you know, what WWE, you know, you know what then, when you, you know, when you've made a household name for yourself, Away from WWE, sometimes they have this habit of changing your name. I know they haven't done with Jade Cargill, they have done with Pillman Jr. And it, yeah, I think, I, go on. I think, I think to give Triple H and the WWE some credit, 
I, I think they would have kept him as Will Ospreay. I think that's yeah. where the money is. That's where the value is. Yeah. And I think they're smart enough to, they, they would have done that. Not, it's not certainty, as you say, there's, there's people that, you know, there's notable exemption, exemption, examples, Kevin Steen and El Generico, you yeah. know, straight away, they, they both had new names and they're big stars there now. Um, but I think Will Ospreay would have perhaps kept his name, um, but maybe his style would have had to have been watered down, changed a little. Um, yeah. There's there's a definite WWE style um, that Osprey would have had to adapt to, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he was capable of doing that, absolutely. Um, but I think I, I think the the right fit, the best fit for Will Osprey, given how he's been booked as well previously in AEW. In the matches with United Empire and the six-man tags against the likes of uh, Death Triangle, um, and and the single matches he's had as well at yeah. Forbidden Door and All In already, the match against Jericho, um, I think it's the right fit for Will, um, personally and professionally. Yeah, and he'll probably grace a, a TNA ring before he goes back because he did mention that on the Impact show he was at that he wants to be in a TNA ring. Yeah, again, uh, Jan- I think January is when they change, so he probably has a chance of doing that, but. Welcome yeah. to All Elite Wrestling and Will Ospreay. Good luck when you join. We can't wait to start reviewing when he signs officially and how that's going to transpire next year. <laughs> I've just looked at what's next. Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. Now, when you hear, when, when and, I, and I'm going to go into a bit of a prologue before we start this review of this particular match, but there are many times and many occasions when these big matches are announced and, and stipulation matches and matches where you think, geez, you know, this is going to be so you know, so good, so brutal, and it's a massive letdown. And when it's a letdown, everyone online craps on it. Doesn't matter who it, doesn't matter what promotion it is, any promotion. When 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 someone like AEW does this, and they they don't just nail it, they fucking you know, there's a line, they jump on it and they cross it, and people still have a habit of crapping on it when it's ultra violent. And here's my view on it. It's a Texas death match. This is the match that we're going to start reviewing now. Texas death match, Swerve and, pa- uh, Swerve and Page, right? I don't see, and I know there was some there was some controversial bits in it. There was when Swerve bled in the hangman's mouth and hepatitis. and all, I, I get it. I understand why people may be a bit, ooh, by that. The bottom line is everything that happened in this match is a Texas. If you had done this match in the 70s, you know, or the 80s, Terry Funk, people like that, no one would have batted an eyelid about any of it. This match was absolutely brutal, but it was half an hour that I just sat there and was like, this is exactly what I would want a Texas death match to be like. And kudos to Paige and Swerve for putting it on. And they blew every expectation I had of this out of the water. And they delivered. If Melt, and I know I don't really care what Meltzer gives it, but if Meltzer doesn't give this five stars, he needs to be hung up like what Paige was like on that chain by Swerve in this match. Yeah. This match was amazing. <clears throat> I think, and there's a bit of recency bias here. I've only watched it today. <laughs> but I can't remember a better example of this style of match. Be a hardcore match, Texas death match you know, street fight, whatever you want to call it. Um, this absolutely delivered. They they actually upped the bar, you know, in terms of what you tend to get from these type of matches. And we've seen some horrific violence and, and you know, stuff over the years watching wrestling. You know, both of us, 30 years of watching wrestling, you, you tend to think you've seen it all. And then you see Hangman holding a barbed wire chair doing a moonsault off the top rope to outside. And you just go, where, where are they getting this from? Um, the stapler, and then yeah. Swerve taking the stapler after being stapled, after Hangman's head being stapled. Yeah. Swerve yeah. then to be stapling himself, laughing Love. maniacally. With his big like load of gush of blood coming from the his face. taste of blood, the adrenaline, the you know, it, it it was perfection in terms of the style of match, not for everyone in the vibe. And I wouldn't want to watch. I wouldn't want to watch three hours of this. You know, no, exactly. I wouldn't want to watch a whole pay-per-view in this style. No. I've watched hardcore matches in the past when it was violence for the sake of violence. Mm. Um, this was the perfect culmination of this feud. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, and the reason I say culmination is because obviously with Swerve picking up the win, it's two up that's now two and zero, and and you think Hangman goes on a bit of a redemption story, and uh, I don't know, they might they might go for the third match, and and I wouldn't be complaining whichever way they go, but this felt to me, uh, I predicted the other way, I predicted that Hangman was so going to win. I thought it was going to win, yeah. but I was so glad that Swerve won. I, I think that has taken him to the next tier now. I yes. think uh, I think he was pretty much there anyway with the he work was. he's been doing this year. Yeah. Um, but I think this, the nature of the victory, the the things they did to each other, uh, Hangman a level of protection because we had Brian Cage, we had Nana, we had different things going on. Um, Hangman didn't come out of it looking like you know any less. I think they both elevated each other. Um, yeah. It was just perfection. In, in turn, as I say, in this style of match, I can't think of a better example. As you say, I'll watch Danielson and Al-Qaeda yeah. wrestle for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably out of the two matches, I would probably rather watch that style of match than than a hardcore match. But I think when it's done as well as this on a yeah. show with so much variety, there's really not a lot to complain about. No. The blood in the mouth. Yeah, that there was a few moments that made me squirm, and there was a few moments that I thought would might come in for criticism. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize it in any way, shape, or form. I, I, I thought it was sensational. It lived up to the billing, and yeah, I, I, I can't think of a better example. I, I don't know if you can, or I, I can't think of a better example. Not I mean, not since we've been watching this. I mean, I don't know. In the, I would have to look back at some of the old school ones that are done in the eight, you know, the the early eighties and stuff. Yeah. Like that. For I me, mean, go on. The, the Kenny, the exploding barbed wire death match. Obviously, the finish we let yeah. that down, but that was pretty brutal, and that was yeah. a good match. And we Lance Archer against Moxley. That was pretty brutal. That was this was just oh, just the, the stapler stuff. The broken glass as well. Yeah, the broken glass on his back, and then swerves as the four fifty. Mm-hmm. So not only are you getting the hardcore stuff and the 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 weapons stuff, you're getting four fifties in the yeah. middle of it. You're getting some epic uh, bookshot lariat to start proceedings. Really, yeah. I just thought it was it was wrestling perfection, to be honest. And and that that could be criticised, but I think as you say, when you advertise the Texas Death Match and that's what you get, where. I can't. Can I complain. I can't understand why people are, are anyone. I mean, I know that I, I, paid, I had something online this morning where someone just tweeted about it, and 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 I said to, and my response was, "Have you actually watched the match?" He was like, "No." I was like, so, fuck yeah, you, just, like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, I mean, apologies for swearing, but the guy's an idiot. I mean, yeah. this match for me, it, it, look, the guy broke into the guy's house and was standing over his baby in a cot. Fuck sake, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if that was happening, you'd do the same type of thing. And um, for me, what you were talking about earlier about if they do do a redemption thing, I don't want to see these two wrestle again for at least another six months or so. I want that kind of swerve to go one way, pace to go whatever. They may meet again down the line, but right now that that needs to be that with them. Yeah, hundred percent. I was actually thinking during the match, the next time I see these guys wrestle, I want it to be for the AEW World Title. You know, whether that's in yeah. a year's time mm-hmm. or or longer. You know, I think they can leave this alone now. Um, as you say, Hangman's lost both of these matches, so it'll be interesting. We've seen, we've seen the sad cowboy, uh, you know, character before mm-hmm. when he's had to kind of look himself in the mirror and rebuild. And yeah. there's going to be, as you say, some kind of redemption, some kind of rebuilding that's needed for Hangman mm-hmm. um, after losing these two matches. But Swerve now, as I say, Samoa Joe is my prediction for the next AEW World Champion. But Swerve has got to be in that conversation as well. Um, absolutely you know everything that he's done uh, particularly in the, the latter end of this year the last six months he's really shown how big a star he really is yeah definitely that and I'm hoping that in the next year or so Swerve will be AEW whichever now you say when you say follow that chaps um, yeah. you would hate to have been the gold, the golden jets and, and the bucks to try and follow that type of match it was never going to happen look these guys put on a great match uh considering we have been impressed by jericho recently we've had we've been bigger criticizers of chris jericho as well over the last six months so to eight months or so match itself was really good jericho and omega pick up the victory and now we have the tag team title shot because uh, obviously if the Bucks had lost, they give up. And if the Jets had lost, they had to disband. 
And then there was a big fit thrown, much like the Jericho WCW fit, if you remember that, when he starts hitting the post yeah. with the chairs and stuff. Are we very close to seeing the the heel turn that we thought we were probably going to see last night from the Bucks, maybe as early as Dynamite now? Yeah, and, and they were in California like they were uh, in the week and they were getting booed there. So it seems perfect now to fully fully double down on the heel turn. Uh, I, as you say, we've spoke about this a few times now during the review about the running order. Traditionally, this would have been where one of the women's match would have been. Yeah, And I'm really, really, really glad that it wasn't. And, and you know, because the, the, the women, as good as they are, they they are quite inexperienced in, yeah. in a lot of respects. So I think to put the experienced two teams, well, experienced guys there, Jericho Omega in the books, after that absolute devastation of the Texas death match was the perfect match to drop in there. Um, and it took the pressure off other people yeah. on the card. Um, I think in terms of the stakes as well, I think that added to the match. Um, the fact that there was something on the line, it wasn't just a case of, you know, a bit of a falling out. There was, if Jericho and Omega lost, they are going their separate ways. They're no longer can and tag team and, and the, the golden jets are no more. Yeah. Uh, and if the books lost, they lost their title shot, which, as you say, that happened. They threw a fit. And that will, that I suspect, well, I mean, you had the low blow as well. Yeah. Um, all those things considered, I think now, yeah, we do get evil books again. And uh, more sinister, as you're saying, less, less comedy elements, yeah. less uh, mucking about with Brandon on camera and the Space Jam outfits and the other stuff we alluded to and the Dynamite review. I think we, we get two real... Uh, you know, sinister heels. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing that that version of the books. Yeah, me too. And I say, hopefully it'll be as early as this week on Dynamite. We may be, or may, maybe a bit longer, but... Yeah. I think uh, Kenny getting the win because he, he's, he's taken some big yeah. losses this year. I think him yeah. him being the one to hit the one-winged angel and, and pick up the victory was good as well. That, that was my preference as well, if they were going to win. Um you know, I, I don't know what I predicted in this match. To be honest, I'm not sure which way I went with it. Um, but I, I'm 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 very satisfied with the outcome. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued as to see what happens to the books, and uh, I'm definitely interested in seeing the team of Omega and and Jericho challenge for the tag titles. I think that'll be another good matchup against Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Yeah. Uh, whether we see that on Collision, because that's where you tend to find yeah. Ricky and Bill. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe Kenny and, and Jericho are, are going to be on collision for the next few weeks, but very, very satisfied. And, and uh, I, I thought they did a great job of keeping the crowd alive, Yeah, given what they had to compete yeah. with. Uh, just, you know, there was still blood on the ropes and, and remnants of the cinder block uh, on the outside of the ring. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they did a real excellent job. And again, kudos to Tony Khan and the, the book that, the team that have booked the show yeah. in the placement of that match and where it was. Absolutely. And we'll find out what happens in due course with the net with these two teams. Now, main event time, we thought it was going to be Adam Cole. So, so let's recap pre-show. MJF gets injured by the guns early on in the show. MJF is ruled out of this match. It's not happening. Adam Cole inserts himself into the match. A one-legged Adam Cole inserts himself into this match. It gets made official. And then it changes once again. MJF on one leg uh, against uh, at, uh, against Jay White in a half, near enough half an hour match. Bear in mind, MJF's already wrestled 10 to 12 minutes early doors, first match on the show. Yeah. He then comes and again comes and successfully defends the AEW uh, world title against uh, Jay White. He'd done some crazy stuff even on one leg during that match. Um, my only thing about MJF, and I've got no problem with MJF winning at all. I just think, does this hamper Jay White a little bit, knowing that potentially he lost to a one-legged man? Yeah, and, and they tried to protect him by having yeah. Adam Cole there. The guns were rejected as well from ringside. Yeah. Juice Robinson was taken out in the week, so mm -hmm. he wasn't in attendance. Yeah, so They took a, a bit of that away from Jay. Mm -hmm. What I mentioned to earlier about Joe and how good it was that I thought he walked away yeah. um, when... when um, MJF was taking the beating from the guns. If the rematch or if the match against MJF was because there was nothing, there was no contract or anything. So it wasn't no. as if Joe had got a, a set in stone match for the title against anybody. No. My understanding was his match was going to be against MJF. 
So yeah. I thought we might see Samoa Joe more invested and perhaps play a part in the finish and the reason why Jay White lost, which then would have could have played nicely into a Jay White Samoa Joe situation as well. Yeah. So I think there was a slightly better way of doing it. I was kept on the edge of my seat for this, so I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Adam Cole. I was still yeah. dubious about <laughs> the injury. I was dubious when he looked at the the tag title. I was dubious when he placed the diamond ring. Yeah. Um, you know, I was waiting for the swerve. I was waiting for the attack, even after the match, to be honest. I wasn't 100% sure. And that's just testament to the great job that AEW have done. Because yeah. um, I'm sure if I am if I feel that way, there's got to be other fans out there yeah, thinking the same, you know, that we're going to see some some kind of, you know, breakup. But no, it all seems legit. Adam Cole's genuinely still injured, still recovering from surgery, still recovering from the ankle injury. Um, and in the end, MJF comes out on top and, and holds the title and he's got his triple B back. Um, so we didn't see Joe. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, mate? Do, do you agree with me? Or because I know you said about, yeah, not Jay White not looking as strong. Do you think there was a better way to do it if we're being hypercritical? I mean, yeah, maybe putting it overly critical. It may have been better to have a Joe interference in there just to make it less, you know, as I said, MJF virtually on one leg. And yeah, saying that a fresh Jay White who's had these banger matches left, right, and center can't yeah. be an MJF in one leg. It's a, if you haven't watched the match, I think there was enough went on in the match to protect Jay White. But if you were yeah. reading it and you're saying, well, hang on, one legged MJF beats probably the breakout, well, not even a breakout, probably the star of the year in AEW. I, I suppose that's the side of it, but for me, I think it's been. I think I'm just been a bit too overly critical. Of yeah, may, maybe me as well, because it was it was a great match, and you know the, the MJF selling of the injury was great, and there really was good. definitely a few moments. I mean, um, the sharp sh- no, the figure four, sorry. Yeah. Uh, there was definitely a moment there where I thought uh, Adam Cole was going to throw the towel in. Yeah, I and did. that was a great callback as well to to Full Gear 2019 mm-hmm. when MJF was the one to throw the towel in for Cody. Cody. Um, so I thought that an AEW do that so well. They like nod to history and and everything makes sense in that respect. When they do it well, they do it better than any other company in wrestling, in my opinion. Um, I think I thought it was a real good callback. Yeah. Um, and there was, I genuinely thought he was going to throw it in at times and, and then perhaps MJF tap out as well or pass out. Um, yeah. So there was enough, enough in there, both sides, that there was enough. I wasn't 100% confident that MJF was going to win, although it was my prediction. Um, if MJF, if Jay White would have walked out with a title, I wouldn't have been massively surprised and I definitely wouldn't have been disappointed. Um, so I'm I'm pretty satisfied with the main event. I'm pretty satisfied with how they went off the air. Mm. Uh, and in terms of a rating for the show, I've got to be a nine out of ten. I think I was going to go there nine 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 point two five. There was hardly anything on that show that you know I'd say maybe overly critical a couple of bits, but minor minor things. And as yeah. I say, that, and that's only because if Jay White would have won, then I'm thinking, well, Samoa Joe's title, title opportunity was against MJF. Yeah. So, you know, that was all kind of pointless. So that that was my only thing, but maybe I'm just really overthinking it and I should have just uh, just just enjoy it. Like when we get four hours of wrestling like that to enjoy of a weekend, perhaps we should just uh, totally enjoy it. But we've got to be subjective. We've got to offer opinions. That's why that's why we do this. Um, but overall, nine out of 10 show is, is, you know, pretty incredible. This is a, I've just read, sorry, and this is nothing again. This is this is AEW related. Yeah. And I'm just going to reach out to the man right now. Kip Sabian has just tweeted that he would like to do some podcasts. Oh, yeah, sorry. Right. Sorry. <laughs> sorry to just <laughs> yeah. to throw Kip. that one on you. Um, but uh, Kip, when are you free? We, we be I'm literally just about absolutely to love to have Kip on. Um, <laughs> Love to know his opinions on on the butcher and the blade. Um, leaving the company recently, um, and and the future for you. And we've talked about so many, so many uh, young stars in AEW with great potential. Kip yeah. sensational. Kip sensational. Never has a bad match. He's from this island as well, so it we is. would absolutely love to connect with Kip and and have a conversation with him. Um, yeah, let's make it happen. Let's try it. Uh... Also, um, interestingly, uh, a friend of mine 
was out in, I think he was Birmingham. He was at, he was at the streets, actually. Uh, I think it was at Birmingham Academy. And he bumped into Trent Seven. And really? Trent Seven is aware of us, the hitting the turnbuckle. He's aware of, of, of me by name. Apparently, we've reached out to him. I don't know if you've sent him a message. Maybe Andy might have done. Uh, yeah, but he, he's, he's, uh, we're on his radar and he's certainly on our radar. So hopefully, Mr. Mr. Trent Seven will be able to, because he's from Wolverhampton as well, very close to where I live down here in the Midlands. So we're up here in the Midlands. Up north, yeah. We'd have to make sure you're on the show uh, if we get Trent on. I will reach back out to Trent. Uh, he did, he did acknowledge. It's quite romantic. He did, he did acknowledge me at Rev Pro when he was walking into the building. Yeah, uh, he had. Um, obviously, he's had the opportunity to face Moxley recently as mm-hmm. well. So we'd love to hear about that experience. A lot of Trent's experiences, the guys that he's faced, the career he's had. Yeah. Um, you know, self self. I don't think he's had any formal training as such. I think he was kind of a self-made wrestler and and has just really picked it up over the year. I, I don't know. I might be wrong. We'll, we'll ask him himself, hopefully, if we can get him on the show. Yeah. Um, but to have opportunities in WWE, AEW, and every other promotion in the world, seemingly, um, it's a fascinating story and one that we'd love to, to talk about a bit more with Mr. Seven. Yes, uh, sorry to just uh, totally change the uh, the direction of the conversation. It just well, so, okay. basically someone had tagged us in and said, "I'd love to hear, would love to have to hear you on HTTB." So big thanks to uh, the guy, the person that messaged Kip and tagged us in, and then I followed it up myself. So anyway, what my point I was going to get to before I totally just swung this off, and before we finish off. Uh, I was going to say, I think the whole devil thing happens at World's End. Yeah, yeah, we didn't see any of no. the devil. Did not we didn't see anything flash yeah. up, and and even the the lights going out. That's something that AEW does frequently, and and they've seemed to have a little bit of a break from that. Certainly didn't happen during this show. Um. So yeah, it, it, real a story that's ongoing that didn't feature on the show, but obviously still there in the background. So there's a lot of different irons in the fire. And um, a lot to look forward to. I'm certainly looking forward to Dynamite on Wednesday. I'm not sure how much we've got announced for Dynamite. I think there's probably a couple of matches. Nothing. Um, pardon? Nothing. Okay. That's, that's unusual, isn't it? There's usually um, a few bits and pieces. And one thing that has come out is Brandon Cutler has just come out and said, the young bucks are taking time away from wrestling. Okay. That's an interesting note, isn't it? it is. Um but we'll see. We'll, we'll see the fallout from... Oh, the Andal Classic starts Wednesday. Yes, that's it, yeah. So, yeah, the tournament starts. So that that's exciting in its own right. Plenty of fallout from Full Gear. Will we see Hangman? Will we see Swerve? I would assume not, given the, the absolute beatings and the punishment they put their bodies through. I'm sure they had to have, particularly Swerve, has had to have some stitches and, and you know, that gash on his head looked particularly gnarly. And I don't even know how you recover from staples to the chest. Like, is that is that a stitch or is that? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he's had to have the staples removed. Yeah. Um. Uh, perhaps we won't see him wrestling in the next week or two. Um. But love to hear from him. Yeah. Um. Love. On dynamite, because I I, I want to know now where he goes from here. Because I'm sure in his mind, he's done and dusty with Hangman. He, he's yeah. moving on now, and is that towards the AEW World Title? Will he be a participant in the in the in the tournament? Um, you know, or does he go after one of the other titles? He's we thought he he was the man that was going to defeat Orange earlier on in the year, and he didn't. No. Nope. So would that be a step down um, to go after that title? I would suggest not, given that Orange elevated it, and we saw that title main event. Um, it was Wrestle Dream, I think. It was. Yeah, or was no, no, that was that was the Christian, that was the TNT oh, title. But we've seen we've seen the international title headline yeah. pay per views. Um, we've definitely seen the uh, main event dynamite and collision or collision. So, yeah, I don't think that necessarily would be a step in the wrong direction for Swerve to go after some gold. Um, we've seen him hold tag titles, but he hasn't had a singles title in his running AEW yet. So, yeah, I'm intrigued as to the future of Swerve. And so many of the other of the guys, you know, um, 
the world title picture, mm-hmm. Bullet Club Gold. How did they react to this big loss? Well, two big losses, if you factor in the Ring of Honor tag titles yeah. as well. They came up short, as did the House of Black, other than Julia Hart. So there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of um, great, as uh, you say, World's End in six yeah. weeks' time. Thanks, yeah, six weeks. So plenty of time to build up a, an incredible show in Long Island, I think that is. It is in Long Island, New York, yes. So, yeah, that will be some great uh, festive entertainment for us over the over the Christmas break to look forward to. It will be indeed, and I couldn't think of a better way to finish off the show with that, Dave. Um, obviously, we're, we're back tomorrow with someone that you may know, um, if you, you know, just Derek Bischoff. Just... Derek. Just the uh, the only man really to defeat WWE man and yeah yeah just that yeah. little just 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 small that. guest small yeah. matter of uh, small guest. wrestling royalty yeah uh, be Hall of Famer isn't he he's he in is. the Hall of Fame yeah he's in the Hall of Fame yeah so we're WWE Hall of Famer WCW guy Eric, Eric Bischoff's on tomorrow uh, but Dave we will leave it there for now it's been great chatting AEW if you get after what was a, a crazy and amazing pay-per-view the full gear uh, but we'll be back as I mentioned Eric Bischoff review shows more interviews everything galore next week keep it looked onto the channel but he has been the problem child Mr. Dave Robinson uh, and it's not dynamite so you don't get to do the good night stuff uh, anyway not on this one um, I have been uh, Adam Cousins this has been Hitting the Turnbuckle follow us on HTT Buckle on uh, Twitter just type in Hitting the Turnbuckle on all other social media platforms and we are there but until next time everybody buckle down stay safe Hey everybody, thank you for checking out the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. Make sure you go and check us out on all social media. Twitter, you can find us at HTT Buckle. Facebook, just search the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast.